Um eine Aufnahme. Very interesting views in today's uh, debate. Uh, Europe, are you for or are you against the referendum due next month? Certainly beginning to stir up some debate. Uh, Albert from near Hull is on line three. I'm sorry, uh, uh, Albert on line three. Statins. I meant statins. I'm on statins. Now, Jeremy. What it is, is this. I've lived in Britain before the EU, and I've lived in Britain during the EU. We managed alone before, we can manage alone again. So you think Britain can go to loan as a trading nation? Oh, I don't know about that. But we, we, we managed alone in 1972, and we can manage alone again. Me and Todger. I'm sorry, Todd? Todger, me German Shepherd Cross. I hear you, Albert. So, despite the arguments about the benefits of remaining in the EU, you are firmly in the camp for Brexit. Brexit? I'll say she Brexit. She broke it when she left us in 1972. And she broke it again when she left us for Harry Reardon last week. Brock? I'm... I'm not with you, Albert. My heart, Jeremy. She broke me heart. My little Miriam. She was beautiful, our Miriam. Albert, uh, Albert, uh, you called in about the EU referendum. Uh, just trying to get your thoughts. Uh, now, if you can just, if we can just focus, uh, Albert. Uh, do you think being part of Europe has made a difference? Well, it worked for Joey Tempest, didn't it? Two top 20 albums and two top 10 singles. Now, that, that's no to sniff at, is it? It's the final Albert, Albert. The Richard Usher Podcast. Assorted audio antics from Larynx Productions. Written and presented by Richard Usher. Okay, so it was a cheap opening gag. But when you freelance, it's the cheaper, the better. Welcome to the fourth Richard Usher podcast. And if you've made it this far in the series, you're either deserving of a medal or currently undergoing treatment somewhere. It is the month of May, and it is the fourth edition of the podcast, which can only mean one thing. Yes, that's right, a bit of royal twistery. What did you think I meant? So let's turn back the clock to the 1st of May in 1851, when Queen Victoria opened the Great Exhibition in Hyde Park, London. It was held inside a temporary structure known as the Crystal Palace. You can see where this is going. Good morning, Mr. Dickens. Good morning, Your Majesty. Such a privilege to be invited to this grand opening. <clears throat> One hopes it lives up to your great expectations. <laughs> Most kind of you all to attend, Mr. Darwin. <coughs> and delighted you could make it all the way from half. Miss Bronte, you? Oh, and you, dear Mr. Samuel Kilt, all the way from the Americas. Yeehaw! Sorry, ma'am. 
I gets very nervous. <laughs> Hair trigger. Well, one must make one's opening address. Has anyone seen Elder? Exhibition? What do you think to this, Vicky? Help! Pull up your trousers. We are not amused. Yeehaw! May is a varied month in terms of historical milestones, from grand event openings to record-breaking races. There's even some 17th-century skullduggery in the history books. But if we focus our attention on the 5th of May, we have to make an epic journey into orbit, which is what astronaut Alan Shepard did when he became the first American in space back in 1961. This was a major TV event, seen by millions in the US, Shepard's historic mission aboard the Freedom 7 followed the Russian attempts made by Gagarin and a host of dogs and other animals. Control, this is Shepard. Uh, Freedom 7 is a go, and the Mercury Project has reached space. I say again, Freedom 7 is a go. We are now suborbital at an altitude of uh, 116 statute miles. Roger that, Freedom 7. Congratulations, Shepard. What's it like up there? Pretty exhilarating. Hang on, there's, there's something odd. There, there's a, a, an incoming uh, object. Uh, looks like we have ourselves a UFO. Go on, you sniveling mutt. Take a bite. Ouch! Not me, you numbskull! That pesky space rocket! Jeez, it's that dastardly Gagarin and his dog in Vostok 1. Oh no, control. They're trying to clip my wings. Those damn ruskies. Can you launch a weapon, Freedom 7? Negative control, this rocket is only an army surface special. We're not prepared for combat. We only have the bulletproof bomb, and it's still patent pending. Grab him! Nap him! Stop that rocket now! Yes, welcome back. Now, before the break, we were t- we were talking to Professor Chadwith Boyo from the Cardiff School of Knitting and Conversation about uh, the stereotyping of nationalities that was so prevalent in BBC sitcoms of the late 1960s and early 70s. Now, his type of nation stereotype is these days um, seen as somewhat insulting. So it it is a surprise to find that um, this accent approximation, as it's become known, is still very much alive and well and living in Withensee on uh, Beirut's northeast coast. With me in the studio is Michael O'Haha, 
uh, a self-employed accent approximator from uh, Wetwang. Ta, sir. At all, at all. Now, Michael, you specialise in the Irish national accent, or your rather poor approximation of it. I find that ridiculous, and I'm, I'm sure many of our true Irish listeners will find what you've done uh, totally grotesque and, and deeply insulting. Uh, well, Your Honour, <laughs> I think you have hit the nail on the head mm. with what you're saying, sir. Yes. It is insulting, but it's the only one I can actually do, sir. So it is, and I am in demand, actually. Yes, but but for what? I mean, the accent you're attempting is is not even close to any regional accent or dialect from any part of Ireland. So how on earth can anyone consider employing you? I mean, why? What's what's in it? Uh, well, mm. well, sir, well, sir, it is the Americans, don't you know? They, right. they likes to use me in the films. The films when well, you know, and they can't get Sean Connery, Your Honor. So it is. American movies, yes, but but there are lots of Irish families settled in the United States. Surely they they find what you do insulting and denigrating to the Irish oh, national no, limit. No, 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 sir, no, no, they don't mind it at all, at all. It is all part of the way things are done in Hollywood, sir. So it is. Yes, but I I would argue, as I'm sure would many of the listeners, that there's no need for you anymore. Why in these days of mass communication and intelligence do we need to be employing Michael O'Hara to approximate an accent? I mean. Surely there are many fine actors out there. For example, uh, Liam Neeson. Uh, genuine Irish actors, award-winning stars of fault-provoking motion pictures. They are what the world needs, not some half-cut, lobotomised twit who thinks he can only do an accent. Sir, to remind them of the, those days when well, things I, I were hard. See how. When accent approximators like myself played every single part in British and American TV mm. shows and films. Yes. I am descended from the likes of Dick Van Dyke. Well, who, was, in the Hall of Mirrors, sir, did such a marvellous poor rendition of the Cockney accent, sir. No one scoffed at him, did they, sir? Well, no. Tried. No one said that he didn't sound like a first-rate Cockney barrel-boy, sir. Look at how accent approximators, sir, have helped the world over, sir. There's the famous Jamaican accent, sir, made, made so famous and so well known by the likes of Jim Davidson, or the East End Jewish community, sir, uh, made so well known with the accent of the likes of Bernard Manning. There it is, sir, there it is. The world is a kinder, more understanding place with us accent approximators in it, sir. It, it, it don't matter at all, at all, uh, yes, what you say, sir, because I'll still get the work, sir. Well, that's the ridiculous. talented Michael O'Hara are needed, sir. And may you shoot me through the head, sir, if I be telling the lies. Oh! Well, my thanks to my guest Michael O'Hara and my assistant uh, David for the uh, loaded pistol. Join me tomorrow when my guests will be uh, Larry Mincer and Denise Dyke discussing the uh, portrayal of sexuality in the modern media. You're listening to the Richard Usher podcast. More twistery shortly, but first, it's been a funny old month in climate terms, and a certain master of mirth has found it all a bit of a struggle. Log off Ben Bernard, Series 3, Episode 4, British Summertime. Hey, summer has yet to arrive here on the Lincolnshire Riviera, but my old mate Carboot Colin is always ahead of the game. He recently took advantage of the recession to purchase himself some old office furniture and one of them clicks vending machines. And it's made a perfectly serviceable cafe-style frontage for his shop, We Still Sell It. Now, you might not think that a few old desks and some swivel chairs make for the ideal of patio culture. But our call is a whiz with MDF, 
Insulation tape and creosote. He, I know what you're thinking. Surely creosote was outlawed by the EU as a hazard to health. Well, happen it was. But fortunately, the closest car boot collie never gets to taking notice of Brussels is when the sprouts start coming into season. Ooh, he does like a bit of pureed sprout, does old Cole. <laughs> Unfortunately, it sends his digestive system into a bit of a spin and sets his gases off. I tend to steer clear of we still sell it during the sprout season. Any road, I'm having a relax and a free copper between me driving lessons, courtesy of one of them fake coins on a chain that you get for them shopping trolleys. Ooh, it's all in the wrist action. Bit of a change from last week weather-wise. Uh, it was like monsoon season. It's that horrid situation when it, it doesn't know what it's chuffing well doing. You're wet on the outside from all the rain, and you're sodden through on the inside as you bake slowly under your packamack. Eee. And as for driving, ooh, the fans have long since packed up on the old Fiesta. You take on a student with a bit too much timber on board and uh, you can end up driving a mobile sauna. I'm sure it's the lard content in their food that does it. And if you get one that wears a fleece, oh, the hum that can rise off a slightly damp fleece jacket stinks to high heaven, like dead sheep. Or John Prescott's tracksuit after he's ditched the jag and walked to his favourite Chinese restaurant. Hey up, oh, here it goes again. Let's grab one of Carboot Collins' parasols. Oh, yeah. Ah. Always reminds me of my favourite tribute act. An Australian drag artiste who performs under the moniker Natalie Umbrella. <laughs> British Summertime was written, performed, edited and produced by Richard Usher. Blog Off Ben Bernard is a Larynx production. Hey! <laughs>
The conductor standing on his platform, finger poised on the bell. And they're off. Messrs. Bannister, Chatterway and Brasher in hot pursuit of the number 22. A little trip back to 1954 there, and the day that Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile. That successful attempt took place on the 6th of May, and Bannister was rightly hailed a national hero. Now, a man who was something of an anti-hero was the infamous Captain Blood, and some 283 years earlier, on the 9th of May, he managed to steal the crown jewels from the Tower of London while posing as a parson to visit the custodian of the tower. A fine meal, Master Edwards. Oh, tar parson. Nice of you to say. Do you hear that, love? The parson here likes your jugged hair and rat on croot. Lock that door, lads. Here, what's going on, Parson? I am not a parson. Then who are you? Who am I? I am the notorious Captain Thomas Blood. Stick some rat on Crute in his mouth, will you, lads? Shut him up. Hey, hey, <coughs> Come on, lads. Get your backs into it. That's it. <coughs> We're in, lads. We're in. Can you grab the crown, Captain? It won't budge. I'll have to whack it. Grab something smaller. Get a bag of jewels. Yeah, jewels. Pretty. No, ain't going for the gold. <coughs> Treason. Murder. The crown is stolen. Oh. Come on, lads. Before the guards pay catch up. I saw quite an upsetting thing online recently. But then I stopped looking at my Facebook timeline and read an item about a man who had his recording studio demolished because it conflicted with planning regulations. It's a story as old as time. Your Majesty, welcome, sire, welcome. We are truly honoured that you are here in person to lay the great foundation stone for the new Lady Chapel. It is in the name of St. Edward the Confessor that we journey here. We feel great devotion to our noble ancestor and to his great Abbey of Westminster. Indeed, sire. A perfectly valid reason to knock it down. Most certainly. Our royal prerogative. Besides, we feel it is not ostentatious enough. We wish to emulate the magnificent structures one sees in France. <laughs> Le Chateau of the Lord, eh, sire? <laughs> Quite so. Our servants shall position the great foundation stone whilst we don our royal gloves. If your majesty is prepared, I shall commence the blessing of the great foundation stone. You may commence. Oh, Lord, we are gathered here in the side of... Uh, pardon the intrusion. Sir, this is most improper. You are interrupting a great ceremony. 
Do you not see his noble majesty? Uh, indeed I do. Uh, pleased to make your acquaintance. Uh, I'm afraid I must ask you to uh, cease your labours. Why? Whatever for? Um, under Article 7, Clause 3 of the uh, Great Book of Westminster City Council Building Regulations, uh, you need a uh, planning permission. We beg your pardon? Uh, granted, sire, granted. Uh, uh, yes, unfortunately, you should have applied for uh, planning permission uh, vis-à-vis uh, the new chapel. Uh, under Bylaw 12, uh, Subsection <coughs> 3... Gentlemen. The Charter uh, stipulates... Uh, Shall we continue? A trip to 13th century Westminster and the twistery take on the laying of the foundation stone for the Lady Chapel of Westminster Abbey by King Henry III on the 16th of May in 1220. This was the first act in the rebuilding of Westminster Abbey in a Gothic style of architecture and that began in 1245 with the demolition of the old church. It was part of Henry's devotional undertaking in the name of St Edward the Confessor. You see, you learn all sorts of things in this podcast. I wonder if I could get a grant from the Department of Education. Now, as temperatures pick up through May, it's interesting to ponder on that bizarre period known as the Cold War. Back on the 19th of May 1954, some diplomats found around 40 microphones planted in various places around the US Embassy. I don't get it, McLean. These latest spending cuts will cripple us for sure. How they expect us to run a successful embassy building, You said it, Wilson. They're crazy back in Washington. Eh, suppose this means cutbacks in the hospitality budget. Are you out of your mind? My wife would kill me. No, no, no. We'll have to cut the fuel bills. In the middle of a Moscow winter? Ah, we'll burn some of those espionage reports. Most of it ends up on TV anyways. Good job the folks back home don't realize the man from Uncle is really a documentary. <laughs> this needs some thought. I need some fresh air. Let's walk. They're on the move, Colonel. Hey, don't forget your hat and coat. What the heck is that, huh? Looks like a microphone. We are discovered, Comrade Colonel. Look, there's another one by the lamp. You know what to do. This is Comrade Big Brother. You are live on Soviet State Radio. Please do not swear. What the fuck? I said please do not swear. We are coming to get you. (coughs) Must have taken quite a bit of sleuthing to find all those hidden microphones. And surprise, surprise, that brings us to our final bit of twistery for the latest Richard Usher podcast and something to celebrate the birthday of the Sherlock Holmes creator, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, on the 22nd of May, 1859. Ah, the game's afoot, and the end is very much in sight. Ta-ta. It's no good sobbing, madam. The game is very much up for you. Have a care, Holmes. The lady is clearly upset. Nonsense, Watson. It's all an act, a subterfuge, to divert our attention from the truth of this case. I've got your towels in the hot water, Dr. Watson. Mrs. Hudson, kindly do not interrupt. Now, as I was saying, 
The moment the diamond necklace and priceless jewels went missing, I knew a master or mistress of disguise was behind the robbery. Holmes, are you blind? This woman is... I know what this woman is, Watson. A villainess. Look at her. The baggy clothes. Perfect for hiding away her hall of gems. Your body language gives you away, madam. The heavy breathing... The sweat upon your brow, and the over-theatrical expressions of anguish. I deduce that this woman is... Is giving birth. Oh, I feel quite faint. Congratulations, Mrs. Doyle. It's an author. You have been enduring the award-avoiding Richard Usher podcast. Written, performed, edited, and produced by Richard Usher. Jazz comedy theme courtesy of bensound.com. The Richard Usher Podcast is a Larynx production. I saw an old acting friend of mine recently, uh, and he said to me, Do you want fries with that, Tom? Uh, I simply upgraded for an extra 30 pence. Hey! <laughs>